Hey guys, it's Adam coming to you live from the Dark Gossip Studios here in New York City. And today has been a hell of a day. Um, <clears throat> it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day all. Um, and we're, I mean, there's just, there's two big developing stories that we've been following. Um, one is, of course, the R. Kelly story, and the other is Jesse Smollett. Um, honestly, <laughs> Will's going to kill me for this, but I, I literally flipped a coin to decide which one I was going to talk about first, because they're both big stories, they're both very important. Um, and, <laughs> but just before I, I get into, um, Will has finished editing our test, and we're, I'm going to watch, watch tomorrow, but he seems very pleased with how they both turned out. So, that means... The Drunk Gossip vlog is coming soon. We're just kind of uh, narrowing in on what we think is going to be the focus of of the show. Um, right now, it seems like it's going to be true crime and deep dives. If when I say true crime, I don't mean like the stuff that I write about uh, um, for magazines and for vocal and things like that. Um, what I mean is like... If there's a big crime that happened in Hollywood, um, there's a true crime that I'm, I'm working on. It's going to be a big project probably coming up this summer. That's the kind of thing, like, I would do um, a vlog for. That being said, let's go ahead and move right into another true crime. R. Kelly. So, if y'all forgot couple weeks ago huge documentary um premiered on lifetime called surviving r kelly in which um victims came forward and alleged that the r&b superstar uh raped them uh, r kelly has denied the claims but really how long are you going to go on denying it when there's videotaped evidence let me drop that little bombshell on you again there is now videotaped proof that he was molesting and raping girls as young as 14. In the, in the videotape, allegedly, I, for the sake of transparency, I have obviously not seen the tape. But I have heard um, through various sources what is on this tape. The tape is... A man who, if it's not R. Kelly, he's R. Kelly's twin. Identical twin. And a young girl. The young girl calls him daddy. And says things like, fuck my 14-year-old pussy. Now, I don't know who finds that sort of thing sexy. But I guess because I'm not a straight dude. Maybe that's why I don't understand it. There's apparently um, several references to the the female in the video being 14 years old. It, the the tape was um, was given to Michael Avanti, who all of you know as Donald, one of General Trump's most infamous enemies. And he has turned it over to Illinois State Police. 
what does this mean? Well, according to um, the police department in Illinois, they're working very hard to bring charges against R. Kelly and wanting to do everything in their power to bring that son of a bitch down because he's evaded charges and everything like that connected to pedophilia for almost two decades. And I say almost two decades, but it's probably much longer than that. Um, We're probably looking at at least 30 years, to be honest. I, I honestly don't remember a time when R. Kelly wasn't famous, which is very, very odd. Um, but seriously, like, in the 90s, R. Kelly was the go-to. Even in the early 2000s, he was very, very, very popular. This story is breaking. It literally just broke before I started recording, which is why I had to decide when to talk about it. I want to get it out there as soon as I possibly can, so R. Kelly sex tape charges coming soon. Um, I do want to say for for his part, R. Kelly's lawyer has denied the charges and said that the man is in the video is not R. Kelly. But again, like I said, I haven't heard or watched the tape myself, but I would find it very hard to believe that R. Kelly has an identical twin that he never knew about. I'm going to go and I will be right back. And I'm back. So, we've talked about Monique on the show before. And um, I'm pretty sure everyone knows where I stand on on, on that issue. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, Monique has claimed that she's been blackballed by Oprah Winfrey, Lee Daniels, and Tyler Perry over her reluctance to um, travel in support of Academy Award nominations and other awards for the movie Precious. And uh, without being paid. And almost every actor who's ever spoken about this said that was kind of, the pay was kind of built into the agreement in the first place. So it, things really hit a boiling point last year when um, the likes of Amy Schumer, Louis C.K., and other comedians were offered multi-million dollar deals to um, record specials for Netflix. Uh, Monique also got an offer, but her offer was allegedly for $500,000. And for whatever reason, this was not acceptable to Monique. And she went on a, a rant, screaming and crying about it and calling for people to be mad at Netflix. But why were we supposed to be mad at Netflix? They're not in the business of paying Monique millions and millions of dollars. 
just because Monique wants millions and millions of dollars. That's not how that works. They're going to pay you based on how many people are watching this program. And at this point, Monique has such a narrow field of fans that I don't think that they were expecting a lot of people to to watch. So, this is... Um, let me backtrack a little bit here. <clears throat> this is what happened. Um, Monique went on Steve Harvey's new talk show to talk about it with him. And Steve Harvey was kind of in the right here. Um, they were talking about her being blackballed in... Um, this is what Monique said. We got labeled as, she's talking about she and her husband, um, Sydney Hicks. We got labeled as difficult because I said one word and that was no. Now I said no to some very powerful people. The difficulty came in when people that look like me, like Oprah, Tyler, Lee Daniels, and I got to put my brother on, Steve on the list. She added, y'all knew that I was not wrong. Each one of you said to me, Monique, you're not wrong. And when I heard you go on and say my sister burned too many bridges, and it's nothing I can do for her now. Steve, do you know how bad that hurt? And Steve Harvey said said to her that she went about it wrong. And then he criticized how she went after Netflix. He's, he said to her that she never gave people a point of action. And then he continued and said, this problem that you had at Netflix are rich people problems. Because they're looking at us saying, you're talking about millions. Well, you got this, so you gotta, you ought to be cool. And Monique, Monique just kept saying, you know, it's about equality. It's about this and about that. It's not about that. If it were, she wouldn't have been offered anything. You know, it, 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 here's the thing. Maybe right after she won the Academy Award, she could have commanded a high salary. But it's been a few years. She hasn't really worked. She hasn't really maintained her popularity. What she's known for now is throwing hissy fits and going against the wrong people. Whether you like it or not, the Oprahs, the Tyler Perrys, the Lee Daniels, these are powerful people in Hollywood. Yes, they're black, but that doesn't mean they have to support you any more than me walking into Hollywood and saying that I'm, I can bash Ellen DeGeneres on my podcast, but when I walk into Hollywood, she had better support me. She had better put me on her show to let me promote my podcast. That's not how this works. Netflix offered her what they thought was a fair salary. She could have tried to negotiate. She could, you know, and and she did turn it down. Which, good on her. That, I mean, that's all there is to it. I I I really think she needs to sit down and think about what kind of career she wants going forward. And and how she's going to accomplish that. I'm going to go and I will be right back. And I am back. So, 
I try to keep up on um, theater news seeing as I live in New York and I actually really love the theater. Like, I love going, um, I'm sorry, I keep saying um and I don't know why. Um, there I Anyways, before this becomes a whole thing, I love theater. I went to see Miss Saigon last year. Um, this year I went to see Golden Girls Live. Or, I, let me rephrase this. In 2017, I went to Miss Saigon. In 2018, I went to um, Golden Girls Live. And I feel... Oh, and me and Mandy went to go see um, Children of a Lester God. I knew I was forgetting one. So, you know, I, I try to keep up on it. And eventually, I would like to at least do some playwriting, even if I'm not successful at it. So I like to see what what the trends are. And right now the big trend is biomusicals. Uh, there is The Share Show, which I really, really want to see. It looks so good. There, is, uh, there was Summer, The Donna Summer Story, which recently closed. Um, Tina, The Tina Turner Story. I, I don't think that's actually the name of it. I just, I can't think of the actual name right now. Um, but that's going to be opening this fall. And then there's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which is the Michael Jackson bio-musical. And that's what we're going to be talking about right now. So, this is a musical that was supposed to open in Chicago in October of this year. So this is what happens. Um, and I know this because I read the um, Christian Chenoweth biography a little bit wicked. I think that's what it was called. It, it, it had, it, she, she did a play with the word wicked in, in the title. I'm pretty sure it's a little bit wicked. Anyway, so Christian Chenoweth talked about how um, she and Nadine Menzel were hired as Elphaba and Glenda respectively. And they workshopped. Um, wicked until it was just perfect, and then they moved to Broadway. So the practice, this practice is called workshopping. <clears throat> Obviously, since I just used that. Um, so when you, what basically happened was these actors were will go out and they will workshop a musical, and then with the expectation that they're going to be part of the cast when it opens. But there are a couple of issues. The first issue is when they do this, they're not always brought on. Then they're when when they are during the workshop there's they hadn't had a raise since two thousand and seven. And there was no proper participation. Now, that last point became a real sticking point, and there was an um, actors' equity strike that lasted for thirty-three days earlier this year, just shy of the um, the government shutdown. In any case, the um, the in any case, the strike ended. Everyone was able to come to terms. There's going to be raises. There's going to be 
profit participation in Connector workshops and musical with the producers. And everyone's happy. The cast of Hamilton, the original cast of Hamilton already has this. Uh, Lin-Man Morel, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I, I'm fucking up his name for some reason, I don't know why. He gets, he gets funny as not only the writer in a, I believe he's a producer on there, on the show, but he was also the original Hamilton so he pockets a lot, a lot of money. But that, but Hamilton was an outlier. It was not a common practice. Going forward, it's going to be a common practice for performers who help workshop a musical to get profit participation. Now, there's no no word really about whether or not that includes... Before the, before the production recoups its initial investment, my guess is no, it doesn't. But that's okay because usually the really successful projects will recoup within like six to seven months, and then there's also the national tours and whatnot. So there's a lot of money to be made from this. What happened with can't stop. Or don't stop till you get enough. Was that? Uh, they were they were hit by the strike, honestly, so they canceled their Chicago run. They're gonna come directly to Broadway. They're still gonna workshop it a little bit, probably not as much. And the show's gonna feature twenty five. It's from uh, Michael Jackson. But because it's a production um, that his, that's at the, the Jackson Estate and Columbia are both supporting, they're not even going to get into like his personal life. It's just going to be all his professional stuff. And frankly, that's going to be a little boring. I mean, you don't have to talk about the pedophilia. You don't have to talk about that kind of stuff. But I want to know, like, the... The inside stuff about, like, the family and, you know, his marriage to Lisa Marie. Give us some dirt if you want us to watch. At least share, you know, share what's like, hmm, I'm putting it all out there. I want this musical to work. So the good, bad, and the ugly. And speaking of good, bad, and ugly, I need to go take a drink, so I will be right back. Okay, and I'm back. So all this week we've been doing um, drunk writing segments. And that's not going to be any different. It's the last, in the last episode, in the, or in the last segment, depending on when you're listening to this, um, this could be the drunk writing compilation episode, I don't know. <laughs> and anyway, in any case... Um... I, I told you I was going to talk about the how I got into erotic writing. So and and how I know that E.L. James is full of shit. 
so here we go. Will is going to kill me for this because... I'm supposed to be not doing... I'm supposed to have production notes in. There are no production notes ever for me. Um, anyways. So, my erotic career started... Really by mistake. And that sounds funny, but it, it I, I'm not really uh, making a joke here. It's serious. I... I I really didn't know what I was doing. I entered a contest um, on writing.com. And when I wrote the story, I kind of just figured, what the hell? I just want to have some fun with this. Now, one of the things about me that I think I've talked about before, but if not... Um, it, this really drives people crazy is I, my first draft is usually the best draft I have. For some reason, the quality starts to sink the more I revise and edit. It, it's something that I'm learning with, uh, Love You to Death. I'm also learning it, um, as I'm writing this short story, um, to, it, as an introduction to me and a couple of other people into a new world that I'm creating. Anyways, so I so I wrote this this story. Um, it's called the ad, and I went back and read it, and it's god awful. I cannot believe I read it, or I cannot believe I wrote it. Rather, and it's about this these two men who one answers an ad online, and. The the two main characters hook up. And and basically have sex. But I don't actually write the sex scene. And the big twist at the end, of course, is that they're actually a couple and whatever. And so the judge of the contest um, sent me a review and was like, hey, like... This is an interesting story, but I would have preferred if you had gone full throttle with the sex. Like, just show me the sex. And, I, you know, I was honest. I was like, I didn't think I was allowed to. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, you're a lot, you know, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. So the next, um, the next time I entered a contest, I actually wrote a full-fledged erotica. And some bitch I won. And then, uh, this is a time when I was starting to transition. And I, um, I noticed that there were a lot of erotic, um, pieces, or a lot of clients who wanted erotica written for them. And so I started applying to those jobs. And I, out of ten I applied to, I probably landed like five of them. And it was during this time that I started having to explore things outside of my comfort zone. One of them being um, BDSM. And what I discovered was the dom-sub relationship 
is not what's portrayed in Fifty Shades of Grey, which is why I bring up E.L. James. To a certain point it is. Like, obviously, Christian Grey is very dominant, and, but it's not a... Doms are not cold people. Subs are not weak people. And that's what really bothers me about that, that series is, you know, Christian is strong and whatever. And yes, you know, maybe he has a few chinks in his armor and, you know, this woman screwed him over and whatever. But that's not how it works. In a true Dom-Sub relationship, there's a lot of trust, there's a lot of respect. And there's a lot of trust between the two of them. You know, there's there are safe words used. And in the James Dean story that I wrote, he's, um, it's called, uh, I, and we talked about this before, it's the, the Fallen Rise of James Dean. And one of the aspects that I didn't really get a chance to get into because I was limited by word count um, but one of the things that I, that I wanted to talk about in that was, you know, the scene he's doing with hardcore BDSM, and apparently it's something that he actually likes to practice in real life, which is why the ex-girlfriend who accused him of rape said she said her safe word. Now, Jameson is not a good example for my argument here. But what I what I'm trying to um, convey is, if you're going to write something outside of your 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 knowledge base, do some research. I I talk to doms. I've talked to dom men, dominatrix, which are dom women. Um, I talked to a sub of both genders. You know, and before I get yelled at, at when I did this research. I wasn't, I didn't really talk to transgender people because I really didn't know I was supposed to. That was my mistake and I should have. But nonetheless, I have, I I did my research with what I thought I needed. And I, and the other thing is, I can't imagine that it's going to be much different from what I've already been told because literally... Only the wording was different, but the meaning was the same for what the, the um, dumb men and women and sub men and women said to me. And it was all universal respect and trust. Christian Grey does not respect Anastasia, and Anastasia clearly doesn't trust Christian. And that's why that series falls flat. Yes, I know it makes her like a million dollars a week, and good on good on E.L. James. But the truth of the 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 truth of that matter is, she didn't do her research, and it shows. She wrote a fan fiction story, and got lucky. When you actually put in the time and the effort to learn about things, maybe you're not going to make a million dollars a week. Maybe. You know, you're not going to make the soccer mom squirt. But at least you've put in the 
the time and effort to try and, and learn and not be stereotypical about segments of people. And I'm going to go and I will be right back. And I'm back. So, one of the things that really pisses me off about Trump is that he's always saying that the media is quote-unquote fake news. And the truth of the matter is, most most sites um, or news organizations try to put out the truth. They vet their sources. They do everything they can to make sure that they're not putting out false information or propaganda. Unfortunately, in the case of Jesse Smollett, there is some fake news out there. The fake news is that the cops are investigating this incident as though Jesse staged the attack himself because he was being written off of Empire. And as the report goes, they, the police went and found two Nigerian nationals and brought them in for questioning. In their home, they found some bleach, some rope, and um, and something else. I can't find what the third item was that made them talk to these men. Um, and, um but then there, then. These reporters start saying, well, the police are thinking that Jesse staged this whole thing because he didn't want to be written off Empire, yada, yada, yada. The Chicago PD, for their part, are like, no, 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 that's not even an option. Like, we never even thought about that. Here's what a spokesperson said for them. Media reports about the Empire incident being a hoax are unconfirmed by case detectives. We have no evidence to support their reporting to support their reporting and their supposed CBD sources are uninformed and inaccurate. So that's I mean that's a pretty clear indication. Not that they would come out and say yes. Um yes we are. But they would probably say something like we're exploring many leads and not deny it. So part of this narrative comes from the fact that Jesse didn't turn over his phone records. And when he did, it was highly eradicated. And um, Fox, for their part, put out a statement that said the idea that Jesse Smollett has been or would be written off Empire is patently ridiculous. Again, they, if they didn't want to answer these allegations, they would have said, you know, the storylines are still being written or 
something along those lines. Um, Smollett, for his part, has said, he told um, Good Morning America, I have private pictures and videos and numbers, my partner's number, my family's number. There's a level, um, and that's why he didn't want to turn over all these records. Which kind of makes sense, I mean. You can ask Will, like, there's a running joke about the content on my phone, so I can only imagine... Um, what's on someone like Jesse Smollett's. And he also talked about, because he was asked about why he didn't want to report it to the cops. And Jesse answered, there's a level of pride there. We live in a society where, as a gay man, you are considered somehow to be weak, and I am not weak. I am not weak, and we as a people are not weak. And... They followed up by asking about the security footage um, and why there was no security footage around. And the cop, there is one camera, but the cops told Jesse that it was turned the other way. And Jesse said, how is that my issue? I want that video found so badly. And again, it goes back to, I think, exactly what Jesse said. Why would anyone fake an attack on themselves? You know, there are so many, there are so many ways that this could blow up if he did, in fact, make it a hoax or, or try, you know, use it as a way to stay on the show. And not the least of which is, he would effectively be ending his career when he was found out. This is not an attack that... He's dying down. There's a lot of pressure on the Chicago PD to solve this crime. And if it turn if it if it did turn out, which I don't believe it to be the case, I believe he actually was attacked. Um but if if he did um set this up as a way to say on Empire, first of all, when it blows up, he's gonna be fired from Empire. He's going to lose his record deal. He's going to lose the Food Network shows and everything that he has. He's not a stupid man. He's not going to put everything at risk like that. We're going to stay on top of this story as it develops. Um, same thing with R. Kelly. That's going to do it for me for today. Thank you all for listening, as always. And until next time, I am lifting my glass, my martini glass and saying cheers. <laughs>